This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I want to pray because I just want to take a few minutes that we have, and um, I want to stay in this theme of the love of the Father. And I believe that as we encounter his grace today and as he leads us through his word that we will be impacted and we will be changed and we will all walk out of these doors a little bit different. So could you disagree with me on that? Father, would you come and would you do what you always do? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Nothing blinding us, nothing keeping us from the knowledge of your word. And more importantly, the knowledge of your heart. Show us your face as we peer in to the word of God. And there'll be moments in that that you will speak to us today. I believe that. All over this room, those watching online, God, you're going to have your way. You're going to do something beautiful. We come into unified agreement for this request. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to put up a diagram that I actually had yesterday in my breakout group because I want to just I want to show this to you um, as it relates to what I want to talk about this morning in in my message that we all have a sphere of influence that we've been called to impact the world. And one of the things that, that we experience in life, because we don't understand the purpose of God for, for our, our, our hearts and for our destiny, we don't understand that, that, that He is coming and He is encountering us to shape our belief systems. To really come and, and open up our, our hearts to understand like the truth of what He has for us, for this world, for our region, for our nation. And that really is the area that we can control as he comes and, and graces us with, with understanding and we begin to, to have you know, properly aligned belief systems according to the, the truth of God's word. It begins to give us capacity to, to speak differently and to act differently and to live differently. Right? So when that comes, when we have, oh my goodness, wow, Lord, like last night it happened to me. I had a moment in the message where I was like, I had never heard that before. I don't even know if I believed that necessarily. And and in the midst of of just the grace of God resting on the word of the Lord through our brother Alan Hood, just I was just like, oh my goodness, I am changing the way I'm thinking about this whole concept right here. And that's actually what repentance is. We talk about repentance. It's not being sorry for messing up. It's actually changing the way we think. Look it up. It's the Greek word metanoia, which means to change the way we think. Where our minds are renewed through the washing, the Bible says, of the word of God. Cleanses our thinking. Gets out all the bad stuff, right? And puts in the beautiful good stuff. And when these things begin to happen, we have capacity to move into 
the sphere of influence, I call it, where that's really where we begin to impact the world. That's where we begin to really see change in our, in our cities. And, and, and it starts with our neighbors and our social relationships, coworkers, friends, family, and just being around them. When we've been changed, there's an overflow that will touch other people. But here's what I found. I found that the spheres of concern are trying to crowd out our capacity, take over all of our energy, and keep us from, first of all, looking to God, getting that transformation for ourselves, and then overflowing into other people that we've been called to impact, when many things, if not the majority of things in the sphere of concern, we have no control over anyhow. Unless we've been called to a specific sphere, like for example, po- power and politics, like if God's calling you to go into the political realm, you are mandated by God to manifest the nature of Jesus in that space, not an easy space. But nonetheless, there, nonetheless there's people that are called to those spaces. The economy, to the shaping of cities, all kinds of of areas and realms, but so often I have felt that, man, there's just been an overloading of the enemy's attention on these things, and he's trying to get us distracted from the good stuff. And this is what's going to change the world. Our beliefs, our beliefs. The sphere of concern, you can take that diagram down. What they, What it does is it propagates fear and when we're under fear we move into self-preservation causing us as believers to hide the bible describes it jesus spoke on it don't hide under a bushel you are called to let the light of god shine through your hearts we're not to be hiding because of fear and self-preservation god wants to break us out of that fear is the opposite of God's love. It's opposite of the environment that we were supposed to live in. I want to read this quote to you, just so we get perspective, and then we're going to just jump into where I'm going this morning. It says this, what lies behind us and what lies before us is very tiny, very small, Matters compared to what lies within us. I'm praying that God would just come and he would just begin to show you who you are in God and what you carry for his glory. And the impact that he wants you to have on a sphere of influence that he's placed you in are many different aspects of that sphere. In March of 2020, Wendy knows this, I was hospitalized. And I'm learning to actually put myself out there more when I go through different times of struggle because this was definitely one of those times. I'd had a a corrective surgery to to repair a valve in my stomach um, because it was broken and, and I was having severe acid reflux from the time I was 28 years old, literally up until this part this past time in 2020 it was terrible they were having to put me on all these medications to suppress the the acid in my stomach it was and I was like God I can't live like this anymore and I found a doctor that was able to do this procedure 
to correct the dysfunctional valve in my stomach. And everything went well. It was amazing. I was able to get off all of my medication. I had no more reflux. I could eat Thai food and feel good about it. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And it was just awesome. And I was so encouraged by this. But several months later, I through the surgery, when they go into your, it was like four or five places that they went into with this um, robotic procedure that they did on me. Um, one of the, 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 the sutures where they went in, there was an, what's called an, an adhesion obstruction where the skin, as it began to heal, c- connected onto my digestive tract. And it began to choke out my large intestine. And, I, and, and I'm telling you, when this started going down, I, I literally felt like I was going to die. It was so bad. It was so bad. And they had to put this thing called an NG tube down my nose. It was really thick. And imagine that thing going down your nose, through your throat, and you're feeling like the whole time like you're choking. And you're trying to swallow. You're trying to get that thing to go away. And it never goes away. And then I had to stay in the hospital. Man, I felt alone. I felt, just, have you ever had one of those moments? Just, it can just be the whatever, sir. It wasn't even about being sick and necessarily or being in the hospital. It was just one of those, when, have you ever had one of those, those days where you just feel like everything is crumbling? Just like, God, what is, what is going on? What is this all about? Why am I having to walk through this and deal with this right now? And in the midst of that, and I don't say this to sound sensational or anything like that or hype anything up, but, but I really felt God speak to my heart in that moment when I'm laying in a bed, that I'm, a room that I'm sharing with another guy in, in the other side of the hospital. And he speaks to me and he says, Darren, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Now I'm going, Lord, really? Like right now, you're going to say this to me? Come on, I already feel like my whole world is being upended. And then the loving father came back and he said, can I finish? And I said, yes, dad. And he said, the gift for those who will be able to receive it in this time will be the gift of myself. I am immovable. I never change. I never, I never am unstable. I am always there. This will be the gift to you. And then all of a sudden my mind just started thinking about, man, what's, what's immovable? What, what's eternal? And he started to, you know, just kind of speak to me about this, this whole, this whole Concept that was just kind of, I was coming back telling our team, we got to get back to the basics. We got to get back to the basics. And by the way, that, that hospital um, time was right before the COVID shutdown. So it was like right before every, all zombie apocalypse was getting ready to break out in the world, right? And thank God I got that word because it gave me such perspective. It was actually one of the most beautiful times for us in so many ways because we were able just to, just to sit and to process with Jesus and, and, and position our hearts to receive what he had for us in that time. I said, we got to get back to the basics, the, the three basics that, that are going to last forever, the Bible says. Remember Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about the three things that will remain forever, faith, hope, 
and love. And he said, yet love will surpass them all. So he says, above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run for. Okay, if you want like a focus statement of your life right now in, in February, is it February? Are we in March yet? March, March, sorry, we did March birthdays and anniversaries. That's it. Okay, good. Um, if you want a focus statement, run after the love of God. Let it be the pursuit of your life to come to an understanding of it and let it be the prize for which you run. Paul, when he was writing this verse in the previous verse, you have to go study on, on your own, verse 12. He's, he's, he's talking about, man, there's just not, not, not everything makes sense in life. Have you ever felt that? Like, why is this happening? Why is this going down? Why am I experiencing this? And he was walking through one of those moments and he says, for now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day, he says, we will see face to face. Portuguese, it's face, face. Any Brazilians in the house? Face, face. I love that. Face to face. My understanding, Paul says, is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me is understood. So in light of that, Paul later writes in Romans chapter 12, and I don't have the scripture for you, I just want you to make note of it. He says, do not conform. He's speaking destiny over us as a people. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. And what causes us to conform? Fear. Okay, fear causes us to conform. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the water of the word, which is the love of God. The washing that we experience, that's the beautiful encounters with God in his presence. It is his love that's meeting with us. There was no denial last night that the love of God was being poured out in this room and tenderizing our hearts. To where we just come in this morning, all of a sudden tears are just flowing from our eyes. We're not emotional people per se. Just to be emotional, it's, there's a tenderness that's happening on the inside. When he tells them, don't be conformed to them. There's a greater destiny for you than the, than the culture of the world that's out there. There's a greater destiny. And then he says this verse, and this is what I just want to focus on for just the next few minutes. He says in chapter 1, verse 23, the church. Now, hold on. Church is not a building. It's not a denomination. It's not even a 501c3 corporation. I hate 501c3s. The church is you. The church is me. The church is every single person who has named Jesus Christ not only God but Lord and accepted his gift of salvation through the blood that was poured out on the cross. That is the collective church. 
And Paul's making a massive statement. He says, listen, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you of your reality. I got to tell you like what's really going on, what you really carry, what you really have on the inside of you because of what I've done through my son that's connected us with the father. And now there's enabling grace that's at our back like a, like a beautiful tailwind to take us into our future and to make an impact with our lives. Listen, I got to tell you this. There's coming a day as we move through this thing that's, I believe, just coming to the earth even as we speak, that there are going to be books and stories told about this generation if we could just rise up in it. It is that profound. And he says to them, listen, you got to understand, the church is not peripheral to the world. Hold with me. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body. Obviously, he is the head which he speaks and acts by which he feels, this is so important, everything with his presence. Did you know you're an open heaven? Do you know that you're actually a gateway? There's, I mean, it's not like, you know, we, we, this is what we kind of misconstrue sometimes. We think that we, we need this, this God out here to kind of come and show up. No, he's already here because he's living on the inside of you. You are a fountain of life. Many times we don't even know it. We don't even realize that. And this is what Paul is trying to communicate to the church. Anybody heard of the central nervous system in the body? Any doctors in the room besides my wife? Chad, come on, central nervous system. This is what he does all the time. He's a genius engineer, scientist, madman over here, right there, Chad and Dreesen. So he could actually talk about this more than me, but, I, but what I find beautiful is even in creation, the gospel is being revealed if we could see it. The central nervous system connects to the peripheral nervous system. Anybody ever heard of the peripheral nervous system? Here's the deal. The main function, i got to read this to you. The main function of the peripheral nervous system is to connect the central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord that runs down through our spine and the the back of our backs, right, is to connect this central nervous system, the head, to the limbs and organs of the body essentially serving as a relay between the brain, the spinal cord, and the rest of the body to get it to actually move and function properly. Incredible. So we see an imagery here of like the head, Jesus, and how he's, he's wanting to work through the central nervous system to get to the peripheral nervous system. We're actually, we're no longer being dictated by what the world is trying to get us to do. We're being dictated by what he is doing in and through us. The interesting thing, though, about science here, and it's, I think it's proper perspective for us to look at, this, unlike the central nervous system, the peripheral nervous system is not protected by the vertebral column or skull or by the blood, what's called the blood-brain barrier, which leaves it exposed to potential toxins that can come into the body and try to, try to attack this peripheral nervous system. To keep it from functioning, you know, properly and correctly. Do you see, there are toxins 
that are being released into the earth through, the, through, the, through our spoken words, through our actions, through all the darkness that's going on. And it's trying to permeate the body. But we're not peripheral to those things. Well, Darren, what about World War III with China? Listen, the, even something like the thought of that, it doesn't control us as the body of Christ. It doesn't, it doesn't affect the way that we think or the way that we act or the way that we live. We are going to be set, our faces set like flint, given our lives to the things that we've known that we've been called to do. I looked this up, the blood-brain barrier is a highly selective, semi-permeable order of edo-theatrical, I don't know how to, to pronounce that. Do you know that one? Cells that prevents solutes or a substance that dissolves into another substance in the circulating blood from non-selectively crossing to the central nervous system where the neurons reside. Things are trying to find, you know, access to our hearts. And they're... And they're they're solubles. They'll, 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 they'll kind of disappear and then they'll get in there a little bit. We don't even realize it. A neuron, a nerve cell that communicates with other cells via specialized connections or synapses that use neurotransmitters to pass the electric signal from the presynaptic neuron to the target cell through the synaptic gap. That was awesome. Praise God. You know what's a wild thought? I was looking this up, talking about blood barriers and stuff. Like, did you know that Jesus, the baby that Mary was carrying, that child had none of Mary's blood in her, in him. None. It was completely insulated within the womb. Why is that so important, Darren? Because the Son of God who came perfect and sinless had to have perfected blood on the inside of him so that we could have perfected blood on the inside of us. And perfected blood doesn't mix with toxins or solubles that are meant to try to change us from being, uh, you know, the peripheral force in the earth to then now be become slaves to these other systems. This is not God's will for our hearts and for our lives. So let's just look as the band actually comes back up. I want to just show you some practical biblical truths found in Romans chapter 5. which are given to us by the grace of God to help us in this thing called life, life in God. He starts off by saying in verse one, our faith, pause right there. What is that word? Faith, that's a spiritual term that we hear all the time. You grew up in church, you heard about faith. First of all, you need to understand that faith is not of your own self. It is a Come on, Bible scholars. It is a what? It's a gift. Wow. 
a gift that's been given to every single person in this room. And that, what does that gift, what does it do? The Greek word is the Greek word pistis, which means persuasion or divine influence over the human heart. So when the gift of God comes to our life through faith, we now begin to become persuaded by the love of God and the truth of God and all that he is trying to get to us. There is a capacity to be able to receive it. Have you ever had moments where, man, you've read a, a scripture verse a, a thousand times and all of a sudden one, in one day, one moment, it's just like, boom. Oh, that makes sense. Makes total sense. Why? Because there was faith that was given to you that persuaded your heart according to that written word. There's other times where God just will speak to us, a rhema word, and, and it will come and it will influence us and, and it will change us. So he says, our faith in Jesus, you got to catch this, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, transfers God's righteousness to us, and now he declares us flawless in his eyes. As we are the peripheral nervous system to the world, we are insulated in the mind of Christ, protected in the distribution of this energy that we're supposed to carry in the grace of God through Holy, the Holy Spirit it, that, that comes down through that spinal column, if you will, to the extremities of Christ's body, hands and fingers and toes and different expressions all over this room. All of us function and, and think and feel different things, but we're all called in the same purpose. This is what faith does. It transfers something to us. And the, the, the transfer is this righteousness of God. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. He continues to say, this means we can now enjoy true, this is so True and everlasting peace with God, all because of what the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Let's pause right here just for a minute. God, give us more of this beautiful gift called faith. Could you say that with me? God, give us more of this beautiful gift called faith. He says, our faith in verse two guarantees us permanent access to his marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. Wow, what incredible joy, he says, that bursts forth from within us as we keep on celebrating our hope in experiencing God's glory. Another word here. Alopus, which means confident expectation. What are we expecting when we wake up every day? Do we have a confident hope of God doing something great in our lives, taking us from where we are and moving us from glory to glory? 
That's what happens when faith takes root in our heart. We begin to, to move into confident, hopeful expectation of Jesus doing something amazing in the world. Come on. That is incredible. But look what he says, and I'm wrapping this up. Verse 3, but that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop us in us. Oh, I hate this, but go with me. Patient endurance. If you pray for patience, you are crazy, y'all. That is the worst prayer ever. But he's faithful to answer that prayer. Because that's what he's developing in us. So when there's pressure that comes, when we go through times of trouble, the faith holds us to be persuaded in our hearts that gives us hope. And then that hope gives us joyful confidence on the other side of what we're walking through. So just as we close this out, when I was laying in that hospital bed, right after I kind of had that moment where something shifted in my heart when I was in a bad space, The Lord speaks to me and he says, I want you to love on your closest neighbor right now, the guy in the room with you. I was like, Father, really? Like this 80-year-old guy next to me right here? Anytime but now, Lord. He said, no, I want you to love on him. So we just started to engage with one. You know, you have one of those curtains between the two of you and we just kind of pulled the curtain back and just started to have conversation. I started to pick up like beauty in this man's life. Like, wow, there's something. This guy is unique. He's not just your everyday. There's purpose over this guy's life. Conversation was happening. I was just, I was bold. I, I, there was, I was filled with tons of love, but I was bold. And I was telling him, like at one time I asked him a question and he gave a response. And then I gave a, a, a response back to his answer. And he's like, Darren, I've never heard anybody talk to me like that. No one's ever talked to me like that. I'm like, Gerald, I I love you, man. I have no agenda for you. I'm just speaking from the heart. Come to find out, as we kind of, he felt safe. And after he had his 13 attorneys do research on me, come on, somebody. (laughs) This guy opened up his heart, and I found out he is one of the wealthiest, what is, one of the wealthiest billionaires in our country. And I thought, in that moment, I was like, Lord, you mean this is the kind of influence that we can, like, where we can sit and have conversation with people like this? We, we, we got into to discussions about, about what he had been doing with his life. And this guy, this is a true story, he became friends with Yasser Arafat. Anybody remember Yasser Arafat? Not a really awesome dude, but he became friends with him. Had favor with this guy. And convinced Yasser Arafat to sell him as a Jewish man Bethlehem, or the whole where the whole nativity is, where Jesus evidently was born, to sell that to him, which has never happened in the history of the Palestine conflict over there in Israel. And Yasser Arafat said yes, and this guy paid billions of dollars for this land. And then you know what he did? He gave it to the Christians. I was like, Gerald, what are you talking about? You gave this to Christians. Why? And he says, well, when I was a young boy, I was the only Jewish kid in the Christian neighborhood, and they treated me so kindly, and I wanted to repay the God that they worshipped. Come on. 
Come on. Faith, persuasion in the midst of trial. Moving to joyful or hopeful expectation of a glorious future in God that moves us into this thing called love. Agape, affection with no agenda. So funny. Actually, our daughter helped minister to his 13-year-old. When he was in the hospital, she was really impacted by Savannah. And the whole experience as we shared six days together in this room, in fact, at the end, he was like, I'll pay you not to leave if you just stay here in the hospital. I said, Gerald, I'm going home, bro. This is like hell in here. Every minute is like an hour. I got to get out of Boca Regional, okay? You get upgraded to the top level that they wanted to put you on the whole time. But he wouldn't pay 600 bucks a night. I'm thinking... You're a billionaire, dude. Pay 600 bucks a night to have your own private nurse on the 12th floor. But he wanted me to stay there. And then he was like, Darren, listen, I want to do something for you. Because he was asking, he found out that I was, you're a pastor, right? And I was like, how did you know? He was more discerning than people in the church. <laughs> that was amazing, Jewish guy. He's like, you're a pastor, aren't you? Like, prophetic, you know? I was, I was like, yeah, wow, whoa, how did you know that, you know? He's like, listen, I just had this, this deal where I was able to purchase this entire country club facility up in Port St. Lucie. Uh, just, what is it? How many miles is that north of here? Okay. Like 70 miles north of here. I want to give that to the harbor. <laughs> I was like, Gerald, first of all, because I, no, I didn't know. Listen, I know you guys are going to, you're going to stone me for this. Okay. But I, this is a true story. <laughs> Because I had, I had to manifest agape to this guy. I said, first of all, I am here. I don't have any agenda from you. And I don't want anything from you. I don't want anything from you. And I can't move our church in six weeks from here to Port St. Lucie. If I could, that would be a cult, Gerald. Do you understand where I'm going with this? That would be weird. 300 people move up to Port St. Lucie and we're all hanging out in the country club that has just been given over to the harbor, playing a little golf after church. Come on, somebody. Do you know what that did, though, to him? He started, this guy, this was a tough, this is a strong guy. This is a guy that had a, I think it was a, a $15 billion project on, on uh, Manhattan that he built. Tears started running down his face. He said, I've never met anybody like you. And I can feel the love of God in this place. Don't leave. I said, Gerald, you can take it with you. We had a clear talk about the gospel. So why do I tell you this story? In our worst, that was not my worst moment in life, but it was pretty bad faith of God in the shaking of things going on the earth visited me and persuaded my heart. It was a gift from Jesus to me when I couldn't change it myself. That's a healthy posture, by the way, to say, God, I can't, I can't do this. I can't manufacture this. I can't make this work. And hope came in. Would you stand with me all over this room?
Would you close your eyes? I want to just read this scripture over you as we get ready to go. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, and I'm just going to just read it over your heart. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not irritated or quickly turned to offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best in other people. Love love never takes failure as defeat and it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which one day will fall silent. Love remains after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are partial. But when love's perfection comes, the partial will fade away. Holy Spirit, would you come and continue after this weekend the work of us coming to a place of understanding of the love of the Father that gives us joyful, hopeful expectation that moves us out of Sunday morning church into our spheres of influence on Monday to change the world around us and to overflow this love. I know there's difficulties going on in the room in here just because I know the nature of people's lives. Lord, would you meet them? Every single person that's going through a trial and a challenge, I pray over them right now that, God, you would do something profound and something special on the inside of their hearts by the work of this gift called faith that gives hope, that manifests love. We love you, Lord. Can we just give Jesus a big, huge hand clap? He's so good. He is so good. Come on, let's do it. Let's just thank him all over this room. God, you are so faithful. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.